Hello, mummers. Laura here, and today we are chatting about inductions and vaginal examinations and the pros and cons of each and why these interventions may be suggested to you. Enjoy! Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with Hello mamas and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today we're kicking off with the sixth episode, the final episode in our Ask the Midwife series, chatting all about inductions and vaginal examinations. Now this was intended to be content exclusive only for my Pregnancy Posse members, but I felt it needed to be shared far and wide because these interventions are quite commonplace in the modern birthing world. So in today's episode, we discuss the pros and cons of these interventions and why they may be suggested to you. Why being induced doesn't mean you can't still utilize all your incredible birth skills and the power passage and passenger analogy that Beth uses to describe the progress of labor and how vaginal examinations may be used as part of that. Now, this is episode six of a six part Ask the Midwife series with the amazing Beth Ryan, our resident midwife, childbirth educator and soon to be mama. You can find out more about Beth and check out her amazing Instagram account by visiting at birth with Beth. And if you missed it, make sure you go back and listen to the first five episodes in this series where we chat about the importance of stimulating the labor hormone and laboring at home for as long as possible, how to create a beautiful birth environment within the hospital, navigating conversations, language and interventions with your birth team, the ultimate in postpartum support planning and C-section birth preferences. And we have so many incredible topics and speakers lined up for the podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss out. And don't forget, we also have a bonus episode exclusively available to members inside the Pregnancy Posse where Beth gives us her top three essential items to pack in your hospital bag, ways in which your partner can best support you during birth, managing a posterior labor and the lowdown on epidurals. Now, this entire podcast series and all our other podcast series, along with any exclusive bonus member content, is all live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. So if you'd love to access all the bonus content and listen to or watch this entire podcast series, rather than waiting for future episodes to come out at a later time, please go and check out the Posse. I've taken my years of experience helping pregnant and postnatal women as a women's health physiotherapist and made this accessible in a really easy to digest way online inside the pregnancy posse. When you join the posse, I will guide you week by week through your pregnancy with safe weekly workouts tailored to your exact week of pregnancy. I also do a weekly Q&A where I answer all of the questions from our amazing posse members. And there is a wonderful community forum where posse members all support each other, along with an incredible resources library. Now, I would love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about. Now, let's get into episode six, our final episode in this Ask the Midwife series. I really hope you love this chat with Beth around the reasons for and the pros and cons of birth inductions and vaginal examinations. Enjoy. I know a lot of women are worried that induction will lead to further intervention or that they won't be able to manage their labor well. Do you have any just hot tips for how women might be able to manage induction better? Yeah. Okay. So I think number one is to know why you're being induced and to feel comfortable with it. So if you go into your induction with a with a big cloud of doubt over you that you didn't feel like you 
were cancelled appropriately. You don't, you're still kind of unclear on what, what the risk was for continuing your pregnancy. Already, that is for me, anecdotally, I find that women are really fighting the process from the start. Whereas if you're like, I know I'm getting induced today because my baby has been consistently small and we suspect something's wrong with the placenta. That is a different headspace to going, I feel like I got pushed into this. I've been healthy my whole pregnancy and no one really explained why. So Mm -hmm. straight off the bat, you need to know why you're being induced and, you know, why we're here so that we Mm -hmm. can feel comfortable moving forward and leaning into the process. I think the second thing is that understand, particularly if it's your first bubby, it can take a number of days and that's not a bad thing. Organic labour takes a while to kick off. It's a really, really big uh, process for your body to go into to active labour. Um, and I don't think I mentioned it earlier, but with that early labour phase, what's happening is that your cervix, which is a whole structure, is not just opening, it's thinning out. So it's an amazing process and it takes time. So there are a number of steps in an induction process for a reason and I think people get really frustrated because it's not explained to them properly which I totally get they say oh we'll induce you on Friday no one says but you probably won't meet your baby till Sunday you know Mm -hmm. or you know it it could just be a number of days so um I think that just having that in the back of your mind that it's okay like great we're letting this step I'm letting I'm letting this step like prime my body and get ready um and I'm not expecting anything too rapid um the other thing that can happen with inductions is bed flow our friend bed flow in hospitals where you will be coming on monday for your induction and there will be a bed for you waiting downstairs in the birth center and then on monday night it's a full moon four women come in the beds fill up and there's suddenly no space for you and you've just got to wait for a bed to become available that is a very real scenario and something that Again, we're not transparent enough with women. We just say, oh, yeah, the, you know, when the doctor's available, you'll get seen. But the reality is, is that there's no bed downstairs for you, so we just have to wait before we start the next step. Mm. If this is you, try not to get frustrated and get angry and, and you know, because that will, will scare off any um, natural oxytocin. So bring, like, bring a book, bring an iPad that you can binge watch something on, bring a podcast, ask if you can go for a little walk around the hospital, do something to, like, positively fill your time the same way that you would at home in that early labour stage when you're waiting for things to happen rather than sitting there being like, this is ridiculous. I was told that, you know, and I totally get it, don't get me wrong, it is frustrating when you're like I've been sitting on this ward waiting for a bed and all these women have come in and gone and left with their babies before me totally get it but just try to be patient with your body um and then I think that you need to have very clear ideas on how you will work with pain and I say this because oxytocin can um, the infusion, sorry. So that's a synthetic form of your of, of the natural um, hormone oxytocin. It can ramp up a little bit quickly and everybody reacts differently to the hormones. So some people, it's a really slow and steady process and they get like a nice warm-up and other people have really great oxytocin receptors and when, when that infusion really gets going, they're like, whoa, I'm in active labour, like these are coming on really strong. So you need to be really clear about what you want to use, whether that's the shower or, um, you know, you've got your heat packs ready to go, you're moving around the room, you've communicated to your midwife what your plan is because, um, you 
know, it's easier to, to manage pain than chase it, if that makes sense. Like it's easy, easier to get into a rhythm. And like I say to women, put your tens on early. Get used to that sensation. Um, I don't know if you would agree with that, Laura, from a physio point yeah. of view, but don't wait. You know, it's about interrupting pain pathways and changing perception of pain. If we're waiting till our pain is like a six, seven, eight out of ten, it's probably not going to be as effective. Mm. Um, so have very clear ideas about your strategies. Um, and I think that don't feel like if you've done all this prep in pregnancy, you've read everything about natural birth, don't throw those strategies out the window. Like there's nothing to say that you can't still have a positive induction, whether that you know, um, leads to an epidural or not, you can still do dim lighting. You can still do relaxation breathing. You can still do positive visualisation. Um, and that kind of goes for anybody who who comes into contact with some intervention. You know, be reassured that just because you're having intervention, it doesn't mean that your body's doing none of the work. You're, with all interventions that we've got, your body does 99.9% of the work. You know, there's so much that we... Um, rely on your body for we're just kind of start is particularly with induction we're just starting things off Mm. um so still use all of that kind of mindfulness relaxation um oxytocic environment kind of strategies that would be my tips and would you give that same advice with the monitoring of being induced so i understand that maybe you might need a little Mm. bit more monitoring with that which maybe be uncomfortable for women who want to be upright and moving um, would you just recommend the same thing? So utilize the things that you can whilst being monitored. You may not be able to be upright and active birthing like you were, but use your mindfulness and your breathing and all. Of yeah, that. yeah. I would say if monitoring is inhibiting your ability to be upright and active, then talk to your care provider and say, like, I am struggling because I can't stay upright and active. What are my options? Um, so yeah. Induction does require or you will be encouraged to. We can't, you know, force anything on you, but you will be encouraged to wear a continuous monitor and that's because with intervention we need to make sure that what we're doing isn't stressing the baby out versus, you know, it's a natural process. You, we kind of assume that your your um, baby can cope. Um, but I think that, yeah, it shouldn't, most, most, most monitors, sorry, are wireless. So it should not change your ability to get into the shower um, walk around the room, use footballs and that sort of thing. Where we run into issues with monitoring is often with loss of contact. So um, for anyone who's listening and hasn't worn one of these monitors before, it basically is a small um, disc that's strapped to your tummy using um, laxative elastic. And the idea is that it traces the baby's heart rate from the outside and it spits out this little graph called a CTG. Um, if you're moving around and you're swaying and you're doing all of these wonderful things that your body's telling you to do, sometimes that disc kind of like comes on and off. So some women find that advocating for an internal monitor called a, a fetal scalp electrode actually helps them. So it's another step of intervention, but it's an intervention that can increase mobility. Some women find that if it's getting to the point where there's lots of loss of contact and it's it's actually changing their ability to work with their body, then um, talking to your care provider and saying, hey, like I've heard of these internal monitors, am I a candidate for one? What are the pros and cons in my, my circumstances of using one of these monitors? because at the moment I'm really struggling, you know, you're telling me to sit on the bed and this just isn't comfortable for me. So that's what I would say from that perspective. Yeah, I love that. That's really sound advice. Vaginal examinations. A lot of women are asking questions about 
what are the pros? Can you decline them? You know, are they better or worse for your mental you know, mindset? Because I know a lot of women feel disheartened when they uh, hear the findings of their vaginal examination. What would you be looking for when you're doing a vaginal examination on a labouring woman? Mm. So the primary reason that people um, do uh, vaginal examinations is that we are trying to identify whether you're progressing in labour. And the reason being is that a labour that's progressing is generally a labour that is going well. So it, it indicates to us that the mechanics of labour um, and what your baby's meant to be doing, what your body's meant to be doing, you know, everything's working. And if if after a number of hours um, we're not seeing seeing any or any significant progress, so maybe you're stuck at, um, you know, three centimetres and, and despite having really, really strong contractions, nothing is changing, you do have to be a bit suspicious as to why. And that does not mean that you automatically have to go, right, well, we need to go for a Caesar or right, you know, we, we've got to call it quits. There's kind of three things that we can tweak, I guess. So the power, the passage and the passenger um, are really good ways of thinking about the mechanics of labour. So we've got the power, which is your contractions. We've got the passage, which is your pelvis, your pelvic floor, your vaginal canal. And then we've got the passenger. So that's baby and their position. And so say if you, Laura, I was looking after you and you came in, I did a VE and I was like, Laura, you're four centimetres. And then you were like, great, I'm going to jump in the shower. And in another four hours, I'm going to check your cervix again. And we checked and I was like, okay, like you're still four centimetres. If we looked at what's been happening for the last four hours, we could probably identify, you know, if I was your midwife the whole time, I could say, well, Laura, I've been watching you and I've noticed that your contractions have actually spaced out heaps. Like they're actually not, um, they've, they've not been really rhythmic. And so without those strong power, we're not, I'm not expecting your cervix to change. Or we might actually go, um, you know, you've been contracting really, really well and your baby feels like you're in a good position. So that's, yep, power tick and passenger tick. But, you know, this position of lying flat on your back on the bed is probably not doing great things for your pelvis to open up. So there's lots that we can do to um, to tweak what's happening and promote progress. And vaginal examinations are just one tool that we can use to identify what is happening with your progress and potentially find a solution. Mm. Um, you know, it's hard. I think it all comes back to that language thing. And if someone says, well, you're still four centimetres, Laura, and, you know, we really do need to have, you know, get things moving mm. straight away, you're going to, that is the disheartening bit. It's not actually the findings of your your examination really, is it? It's about how you've been made to feel. Yeah. Um. So I usually say exactly what I just said, like, look, so your cervix hasn't changed. This is what I think we should do. Mm. What are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Mm. And the only real reason that we need to rush in that case, so say if your cervix was unchanged over a number of hours, if your baby's heart rate is still um, really reassuring and there's a whole bunch of that, we could talk for hours on that, but there's basically a whole bunch of indicators that tell us whether your baby's heart rate is reassuring. It's not just about whether there's a heartbeat or there's not. There's We train quite extensively to, to learn how to interpret fetal heart rate patterns. If your fetal heart rate pattern is really reassuring, then it means that we've got time to play around with those, those pillars of the mechanics of labour and say, well, do we want to try an hour in a different position? Do we want to maybe... Um, 
do turn all the lights out and do nipple stimulation because we know that that can pick your contractions up. So we can kind of play around. Where we do get stuck is that if we flip that scenario and I'm like, I'm doing an examination to check progress because I'm worried about the baby's heart rate and your cervix still hasn't changed, then we need to be a little bit more, um, it's a time sensitive matter and we, we have to make the decision of, well, do we have time to play around with these things and give give um, give it a go or do we need to make a decision about how much more reserve your baby has and, and, and therefore, and that is the science and art of obstetric and midwifery care that work it's a constant sliding scale and it's never a clear path um and I guess this is again I'm sorry for my long-winded answers about vaginal examinations (laughs) but the point is is that we're looking for a lot of things Mm. and it's not just about the number that you're dilated it's about the huge clinical picture um and you can absolutely decline them if you don't want them or you can say, I don't want to be told the result. I'd yeah. rather you just make a recommendation based on, on your findings. Yeah. So um, that's another way to play it. Um, but it's so personal. Some women find it really empowering to have that, that information and, and use it as a decision-making tool. Um, others find that it's just just something that's going to throw them off and they're in their groove and they just want to keep going. And yeah. so whatever you feel is right for you is okay. Yeah, no, I love I think that wasn't long-winded at all. That was a really good <laughs> understanding of for women to understand what the purpose of them is and mm. how they can use those findings um, for the greater good, really. It's it's yeah. one that they can help, like you said, the whole clinical um, picture, which I think, yeah, is fantastic. Hey mamas, Laura here. I hope you love that chat with Beth and that's really helped you understand inductions and vaginal examinations a little better. I find a lot of people sit in two camps on these interventions. So either they have little understanding of them and therefore agree to them, even if not medically necessary, or they are staunchly against them or even worse, scared of them. And I think Beth really helps to break down the clinical reasoning behind these interventions so as to reduce fear, but also balances it out with a healthy dose of asking the right questions and making making sure you feel comfortable with exactly what you are saying yes and no to. So if you'd like to learn more from Beth, you can find her on Instagram at birth with Beth. And I would love to hear from you over on my socials at physio Laura, and let me know whether you learn anything new from this episode. And if you haven't already just subscribe to the pregnancy with physio Laura podcast so that you don't miss out on the incredible podcast series that we have in the pipeline. And remember, for most series of the podcast, we also record exclusive bonus content for Pregnancy Posse members. And in the bonus member-only episode for this Ask the Midwife series, Beth talks us through her top three essential items to pack in your hospital bag, ways in which your partner can best support you during birth, managing your posterior labor, and the lowdown on epidurals. Inside the Pregnancy Posse, you'll also find weekly guided pregnancy workouts, an amazing resources library, wonderful community forum and weekly Q&A sessions with myself. Now, I would love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth and postnatal experience. So just visit thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial it for seven days. I'll catch you soon for our next amazing podcast series that we have lined up. But until then, Mama, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.